it was unbelievable that more people didn't perish in this in this incident. But um, there were lots of stories like that where people just barely made it out with their with their lives. That is sick. We can't do this by ourselves. This is too big. Welcome, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Uh, we are here at the It Is Written Canada studios, and we are joined by uh, our friends all over the country. And uh, to begin with, we have with us um, Daniel Mundal, who is in Lytton. We're going to be talking about the Lytton fire and the response that we have, uh, that members of the Seventh-day Adventist Church have had towards it and people who have been on the ground and have witnessed it. And so Daniel Mundal uh, is with us and he is, I'm just going to introduce each person to you uh, in Lytton. And he is all, the network um, uh, administrator for Lytton Net. Um, also Elaine Roquet, who is an ADRA uh, ambassador in Lillooet, um, but she also does so many other activities within her church and within her community, wears a lot of hats and, and we're so thankful for her work. Uh, Bill Gerber, who is the uh, camp manager, um, camp, camp director, okay, sorry, mm -hmm. at, uh, at Hope Camp in Hope, British Columbia, and Elaine, Elaine, sorry, um Normand and Elaine Normand uh, maybe maybe each person should kind of wave as they come up so Elaine is also the um he's got he Elaine has a long title he is the incident commander for the donation management operation for go. Edra so welcome Elaine and also our friend Daniel Saw and Daniel's responsibility is the Canadian programs manager for Adra so thank you all of you um we would like to really get into this really quickly so i'm going to start with daniel uh mandal we've got two daniels with us and ask you daniel because you were on the ground the day that the fire happened so you're living in little wet but you're are letting sorry but you're on the other side of the river and you're able to watch what was happening tell us about that and and the events leading up to that and what happened that day yeah i mean some of the, some kind of cut some context to it is uh, Lytton was actually in the news for the you know the previous past couple days because it was hitting records uh, nationally and then uh, pretty soon it was even breaking some kind of global records if you will like uh, the la the day before the fire it was 49.5 degrees centigrade and that um, is actually half a degree higher than uh, the record temperature for uh, Dubai and so if that gives you guys some uh, some kind of context and the day of the actual fire it was very windy and Lytton is, is uh, kind of known for its wind as well uh, but it was uh, kind of a very steady very very dry um, wind and we we're all kind of a little bit uneasy about fire as, as, a, as a very very extreme high risk um, during the, that period of, of um, heat when we started seeing smoke right near town uh, we immediately headed down with pickup trucks with water or whatever we could do. Um, but we were on the other side of the river from where the actual fire was. And we couldn't tell from our farm where um, the fire was actually originating from. And when we saw um, that it was lit and on fire, it was just, it was unbelievable. Like just the pure um, chaos that was ensuing, like the fire kind of surrounded the town from both sides um, in the tall grass that was around the town and then kind of moved in on the town. and. Uh, people that were inside the town like it was 
it was unbelievable that more people didn't perish in this in this incident because it was um incredible like the wind was blowing houses that were on fire and blowing the fire like sideways like you know like 30 meters or 20 meters sideways where it would, you know, instead of going up it was just torching everything beside it and so yeah it was um obviously something that was really tragic the whole the whole fire probably took only an hour or two to burn the entire town up like it it was that fast and and the whole town was surrounded within probably 20 minutes of it starting so people were you know had to grab you know pretty much nothing except themselves and just run out their doors because there was no opportunity to kind of grab anything like one guy tried to save his guitars he made it out to his car and then realized the fire was so so and so much engulfing him that he was just barely able to stagger to a, a flat kind of open area and collapse and paramedics actually found him there and got him out but um yeah, there were lots of stories like that where people just barely made it out with their with their lives and then um, what we've been dealing with largely since then has largely been the kind of restoration efforts and and what that's looked like, getting water back, getting power back, um, getting Internet back and helping facilitate that from a local perspective, um, the kind of basics that people need. And uh, that's what, we, what we've really been just, you know, putting in a lot of hours in, in the last uh, three weeks um, is primarily been on that kind of restoration side. And that's what I'm still actively working in is getting service restored to areas and Internet service. And everybody has water now. Um, and power is mostly back to most places. They're just getting it on to a few other small little cluster communities. One of the really neat things that was kind of an outcome out of all this was how the community came together, like neighboring uh, First Nation reserves and um, just community members, you know, brought up pickup loads of various supplies and stuff like that to you know, help with the people that were stranded and stuck behind and couldn't leave um, because they had animals, various things like this. Like there's a lot of farms and stuff in the outlying areas and you can't uh, put your horse in the back of your pickup truck or something and, mm. and leave to an evacuation center very easily. So um that was really heartwarming to see and the whole community really is pulled together um and becomes stronger as a as a result of this and i think that's uh something that is uh really heartwarming to see i know that you're very busy and um we're gonna have to let you go soon because you're you're really working uh in the community to to get those services up and running Daniel, you mentioned that it happened so quickly, and I was reading somewhere that the mayor um, of Lytton said that it took a whole 15 minutes from the time that they saw the first sign of smoke to the whole town just being fire everywhere. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you grab in 15 minutes? Mm -hmm. So that must have just been frightening for everyone. All of a sudden, there's just flames everywhere to a little bit of smoke in the distance. So mm -hmm. I, I uh, saw an interview with Don um, where he said, I've learned from all of this that there are the three Fs, um, faith, family and friends and yep. uh, you can lose your material possessions but uh that's you know that's okay the the most important are those those three and so that's well that's very and i think for me this uh whole fire is really put in context how temporal uh, material stuff is um anything you got it's all gonna burn in the end and um what really matters is the relationships you're culturing along the way the friendships you're making and uh the character you're developing through those experiences and um you know i think if there's anybody listening here that um that maybe has 
um, not had the right priorities, you know, seeing something like this is a chance to, to adjust those. You haven't lost everything yet. It's, you still have a chance to, to make a difference. Maybe it's, it means uh, some extra generosity to, to a neighbor that's in need or, or whatever it is. Those are, those are the things that really matter in the end. Um, whatever material possessions you have, it's, uh, it could be gone tomorrow. And that's, that's exactly what happened in the case of Lytton. You know, nobody knew that they would wake up the next day and have nothing. Um, but it can happen to any of us, anybody. <laughs> it can, it can. And it, and it could be, you know, sooner than you think. And yeah. uh, it cer certainly was for those, those folks in Lytton. I, I'm so yeah. glad that you are there right now on the ground and helping to restore the services, Daniel. So I appreciate the opportunity to kind of share what, what we saw firsthand here. Thank you, Daniel. Thank okay. you for joining us, Daniel. God bless you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. 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 Okay. Go ahead, Elaine. You know, they've been working hard. I'm actually here on the west side of Lytton right now. We came over last night. And um, back to, yeah, I had spoken with the uh, individual that coordinates the emergency services at Lillowat, and he figured we had had around 250 uh, evacuees. And um, that was after the fact, of course. So um, we knew that they were coming in and that uh, they would be going mostly to the recreational center or to the friendship centers um, building. A lot of people I found out the next day because the rec center didn't have the air conditioning on, just slept out in the yard that was in front of the rec center and underneath the trees because it was so hot. And, um, and that was, that was difficult for a lot of people. And so the next morning, right away, I called uh, Carol Camille, who is the executive director of the Friendship Center. I told her, I says, what can we do? You know, and um, I said, do you need a meal? She goes, yep. She said, we sure do. She said, if you guys take care of lunch, we'll take care of supper. So I said, well, that's fantastic. So I called the team together and we started talking. We decided quite quickly what we could do. And um and so we just got together and did it. And um, because that's just what you should do, right? And, and it was hard. Like people were just kind of shell-shocked. They didn't know where to go or what to do all the time. And I think it was a, 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 such a quick disaster, you know what I mean? That that actually made all of us rethink our role in things like this here. And one of my daughters had gone down to the community cares building and she met one of our um, ladies there, uh, an Adventist lady here from Lytton. And, uh, you know, she had mentioned that her house had burnt and, um, you know, it was just really hard, but she was so cheerful and just helping everybody. And, you know, it was really wonderful. So my daughter came home and she goes, mom, she goes, you know, um, you need to go down to the friendship center and, and talk with her. And so I said, sure, you know, and so I went down and we chatted a little bit anyways, while we were serving lunch, uh, my other daughter who lives here in Lytton messaged and she said did you know that her house is still survived it's all intact it hasn't been burnt at all and um she said it's amazing and she sent me a picture of it and uh, she said you got to show her she said show her that her her house is still there and um so sure enough you know the house was still there and uh um 
my daughter said later, she said uh, they were told what happened. The helicopter had come over to dump water and there was a miscommunication and he couldn't find, I guess, I hope I'm telling this 100% correct. Um, he, he couldn't find the spot to dump it and he came over her place, saw it and dumped it. So, you know, she was just praising God for that. And um yeah, that's been kind of our experience. We were really happy to be there for people as they went by. People were just so grateful and so thankful for the food and and really told us that. So that was wonderful. You know, Elaine, what really spoke to me um, is how God led in your situation with you and your team. Because you mentioned earlier on that you had called Carol at the Friendship Center. And she put you into action right away and it was because you have a good connection and you built up a rapport and a relationship with the friendship center with the kind of job that you're doing and the outreach that you and your team are doing into the community already that you've so there's a history there and it's so beautiful because it's a trusting that when you called her, she knew right away, okay, I can lean on Elaine, I can trust her, and I know that things are going to happen, and that things are going to fall into place, and she's going to come through with this, and she's going to be able to make this food with her team, and so I just think that that is, um, that's what we, we need to do yeah. as Christians, yeah. is yeah. to reach out there and go into our communities and work in our communities and have such a strong presence. And, and that's what I really admire about you, Elaine, because that's what you've done. Well, it's, it's been a wonderful experience. And, you know, when God opens a door, he expects us to just walk through it because he already knows what's going to happen. Right. And he already knows what people are thinking and where people are at and, you know, you really can't get into any situation without having God with you because he's way ahead of us. I mean, we're just poor little humanity trembling along behind and doing what he's asking us to do. And people appreciate, um, I think, when people have a true desire for their well-being and their good, right? Mm -hmm. And you Can I say something? Yeah, go ahead, Bill. I heard the story about that lady, and I guess we maybe don't mention names on here, but I heard the story about this Adventist lady who would come to the camp regularly for camp meetings and stuff. And then they said her house was the only one in a large area that was still standing. And it reminded me of those stories as a child about the farmer who the God fearing farmer that prays and the locusts come and they clean up the whole countryside. And yet his farm is left. And I just thought, wow, it's just amazing that her house still, still standing. So yeah, she's uh, she's been my mom's roommate there at camp for years. <laughs> so it made it even more special for us. And she was actually planning on coming up and staying with us. But then they told her she had to move to Merritt. So I don't know. I'm hoping she's there at Camp Hope. But it was really wonderful for the short time we were able to be with her and to see how God has worked in her life. Like just totally amazing. Yeah. Thank you very much, Elaine. I know you have to rush as well. Same as Daniel, you're right there in Lytton. So I'm going to, I'm going to go to Elaine Normand uh, for Adra. Um, tell us about your part in this, because this is big. This is a, a bigger issue than just them coming to you. You're, you're setting up, you're right there in Vernon. 
uh, British Columbia and you're setting up a big warehouse. You want to talk to us about that? Yes, absolutely. So if I go back, uh, we started coming to BC back in 2018 and, uh, and then again in 2019 to train people on the ADRA disaster response program. So when all of this started to happen, we reached out to the BC government and we said, uh, we have people on the ground and we can be there, we can do the work. And the BC government said, really? Oh, wow, okay, that's great. Let's, and, and so we started negotiating an agreement as to what would be the role of ADRA in BC regarding the fires. And it, very quickly, our specialty is what we refer to as donation management. So anything which is not money, so the, the money goes to Red Cross. Red Cross is the uh, agency that is recognized in Canada as being the, the fundraising and appeals to the general public for uh, any kind of financial donations people want to make. They coordinate that and they give the money to the people who need it. But then when not everybody has a lot of money and a lot of people say, well, I can give things. I have things that I'm not using, my closet, my basement, you name it. Uh, and they say, where can I send it? And most of these people don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to operate. So that's where ADRA steps in because that's our specialty. So right now what we have, uh, we have this agreement with the, with the BC government that we are the central location. We are the ones that are gonna be sorting, receiving all the goods, sorting them, triaging, and then preparing them for redistribution to the people who need it. Uh, so there, there are things that people need right away, like, like you know, Elaine and Daniel, was, they, they have to leave very quickly, They're just basically the clothes on their backs. So they need all sorts of things. You know, they need change of clothes, but they also need, uh, you know, comfort kits, what we call comfort kits, like shampoo, toothpaste, you name it. You know, this. So, so that we have, and we're distributing to where they are in the shelters and the locations where they, they're getting uh, t taken care of. They're receiving uh, support. So that's one of the part that we do. We get some places that are asking, can you send us some, some uh, you know, good care goods, uh, diapers for, for babies and things like that, you know, pet food. We're working with all, all sorts of other agencies. So we're working, for example, with the SPCA. And, uh, and they said well, they're taking care of a lot of uh, animals and not just pets, but uh, farm animals as well. Uh, but they need uh, supplies, foods and all that. And we're getting it. You know, people are sending it. So we are taking it. We're sending them to the SPCA and say wherever they are. And, and they are taking care of the distribution of these goods. Uh, and we've got lots of volunteers, which is great to work with volunteers. We have people from Vernon. We have people from Kelowna, uh, a few from Kamloops, uh, some from uh, Winfield. So, so the whole area where, where people are, people are coming and they're coming daily to come in and help us do all this work. So Elaine, you have opened up our minds to really what's going on on the ground. Renee, you want to say something? I just wanted to say, Elaine, and maybe you could mention something yet to Daniel after my comment, but I just really love the way that all these organizations mm -hmm. are pulling together. So it's not just ADRA working on its own. You're working with the Red Cross. You're working with Canadian food banks. You're working with um, with the SPCA. Mm -hmm. You're working with um, um, with the Salvation Army, with all these churches, with these volunteers. It's just so, um, I don't know, like encouraging and yeah it's encouraging and inspirational and mm -hmm. almost like 
so moving mm -hmm. how everyone is just Coming come to together and pressing together to to do yeah. God's work and to help these people that are in need really all of these agencies are so happy that we're there on the ground working with them so we're, we've been getting so much support and so much encouragement uh, from all these agencies as well they know that we're working with them and they, they are you know we can't do this by ourselves this is too big it's it's bigger than just adra so uh, but the, all of these agencies have been so supportive of what we do it's just been amazing you know? thank you very Island. much yeah. yeah go ahead though I want to go right back to the beginning of Elaine, where he was talking about people having to just leave and leave everything and even their precious guitar collections and things. Yeah. We had one gentleman come to the camp there and uh, we understood he was diabetic. So we said, can we bring you some food? You know, some, he said, as long as it's soft, he says, I've got new teeth. He said, mm -hmm. I had to leave my teeth when I fled the fire. So when we think of everything, oh. you have to really think outside the box of everything that you might have or need. And that includes teeth, medical equipment, mm. you know, your meds, mm. everything. So yeah. Bill, you're on the ground there in at, at Camp Hope and you have some of the people are coming to you and they're gonna be staying there. Can you tell us about that? Yes, uh, so we got a call from the fire marshal in Hope. Uh, I think it was a Thursday evening or a Friday and he just said, would would you have space to host uh, any evacuees? And we said, sure. He said, okay, let us know. So they told us that, you know, with this fire, people had scattered, scattered with literally with the wind and the smoke. And from Lytton, uh, Lillooet to Kamloops to Merritt, um, I don't know if anyone from watching Cross Canada, take out your VC map and, and probably Kelowna and look at these in Chilliwack and Hope and on down to the Valley of Langley, North Vancouver. And they said, you know, we're a very tight community here and our people are spread far and wide. Um, we're in hotels. They're being moved every three or four days. They're having to relocate. They told us that we have elders sitting in motels, don't know where to go because they don't know the city. And they just thought they're looking for a place where the people could come and, and, and until they can go back to their home or until their home is rebuilt, um, they could, that would be their home. So in a way they would be bringing back their community even in a smaller way. Um, and they wouldn't have to be moved all the time. And so it was zero to 60 awfully fast. Um, after 18 months of COVID, where we, in essence, were almost shut down, our lodge has been quiet, about four less staff than we had before it all started. It was quite a, it was quite an undertaking to reinvent ourselves. It wasn't a case of the yes or no. It was a case of, we need to do this. We need to do this. Um, and we canceled a, a very, very busy camping season. And we're sorry for the people who had made plans to come, but you know, it, you, you just consider the trauma that these people have gone through versus uh, maybe a weekend of camping. It, it, it's really no loss on, on, that, on that side of the equation. But for here, it was a place where we could offer shelter, a place for healing, um, you know, a home for their elders. You know, they're in the same room and we're feeding them. Anyway, I'm probably going farther than your question that was asked, but, but yes. It's perfect, Bill. No, that's really good. Um, it gives us a, a, a big insight into what you had to go through 
um, to, as you said, reinvent yourself and, and, and look at, you know, what do we do? And just to say, well, we have to do something. We have to help these people. They're, they're knocking yes. on your door. You don't yes. turn them away. No. You don't say, no, 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 we're already no. full. You know? No, we don't. And we don't say our stuff is more important than what you've just gone through. Yeah. You know, certainly in this, in the current environment that we have right now within our country, you know, it was just, it was a no brainer. This yeah. is something. And if we're really, um, you know, we want to walk the talk. We want to be the hands and feet of Jesus. We want to be the heart of Jesus, right? We want to be the mouth, the voice, the words of him too. We want to be all those things. And um, you can't be those things if you say, if you close your gate and say, sorry, we're, um, we're, we're close for the, we're too full. Daniel Saw, you are the program manager for Canada and you're sitting in an airport right now. And that's why you have your mask there ready to go if you need to put it on. <laughs> but we appreciate you being with us. Uh, talk to us about Adra's part in this. I know that there are a lot of exciting things happening and you have been uh, been orchestrating a lot of that. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you so much, Mike and Renee. Uh, just building on what Elaine shared, uh, which captured the essence of it <laughs> in a nutshell and in a mouthful. I'm just very grateful that we um, are able to work together. So my role is really coordinating a lot of this. And we've been able to work very closely with uh, our partners externally from the church, NGO partners, which Elaine mentioned the different entities such as Red Cross, Salvation Army. In fact, um, Amazing story. I think Elaine may have mentioned it, but the Salvation Army and many of the NGOs have offered their assistance to us. We really want to close the gap, break down the barriers and not work in silos. That is a thing of the past. And it's time to really come together. We are one force. We're one unit. We're one church. We're one team. Um, and that being said, it's also important that we work, you know, in a cooperative spirit with other NGOs, and as Elaine rightfully said, they are offering their willing their support. I wanna say this, before everything began, we bathed everything in prayer. We asked for God's favor and blessing. As Elaine mentioned his testimony, we see the hand of God working here. In fact, when I was flying in to do the site visit for the last three days, um, as I was disembarking, the chief flight attendant said, so, so why are you coming to BC? Because she was talking about the fires and we were just having a conversation. And as we were preparing to land, uh, the, the, some smoke was coming through the emergency door. And I said, oh, I'm, I, I work for ADRA, humanitarian agency. He goes, oh, I've heard of ADRA, strangely enough. <laughs> this is very interesting. And we thank God that we can work with the BC Conference, with Amen. Camp Hope. And Amen. it's just all the moving parts God is just coalescing it together. Thank you. The only way God can do it and does it best. Thank you so much, Daniel. So um, much. We're, we're going to, we're running out of time, but I just wanted to give any of you one last word. Uh, you want to share something with us. And then I'm, I'm going to ask Daniel saw to pray for us as we close. Okay. Anyone? I, I have a little, I have a little story and it, it has touched my heart just thinking of it. Um, one day we were, I was at the camp and these three kids came up and they had a little, looked like a bird's nest with two baby swallows in it. And they said, we found these swallows on the ground. Hmm. And uh, they were, you know, and so I said, okay, well, um, I said, 
we like swallows. They eat the mosquitoes. And so, you know, not one swallow should be lost. So I said, let's go back and let's see if we can find his nest and put him back in thinking that that wouldn't realistically happen because how often do you ever get up to a, a nest and put a bird in? And then we always hear, well, if you touch it, you know, the mother won't come back to it. So these three kids and I, we walked back and we went over to the corner of our big auditorium there at the camp and, and we saw a feather on the ground and then a few other markings, which might indicate a, a family of uh, birds were nearby. And I got up on the, I could kind of see, see some straw and some things. I got up on the pony wall and sure enough, there was a nest up there and there was two other baby birds in it. So I used the little flashlight from my phone and I shone it in there. So I said, hey, pass me that nest. So they passed me that nest and I took it and I went up and I gently, I mean, how do you disembark two swallows? I mean, they were, they had feathers. They were almost ready to go. And I turned it and I put it upside down and they went into the nest and I heard this little, sound and I was just imagining and bird talk them saying wait till mom get back you two are in trouble or else where do you guys go we, we miss you anyway one of those two things I'm sure is what the swallows are saying but you know for some reason that thought stuck with me and, and then it was a couple days later when it just hit me and it thought it was like it was really neat I thought you know what those kids came up and they sought our help and they trusted trusted me and so together we went back. And so just like the birds, we, we kept the birds safe. They kept the birds safe together. And we were able to return those birds to their home. And I was thinking in a bigger picture, we have guests at our camp and together we're working and keeping them safe until they can return home. And so it just, it, 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 it touched my heart and it, uh, when I thought of it at the time, I actually got emotional. And when I shared it with um, the leadership there, I did again. And I'm and right now I'm, I'm I'll, I think I'll be OK. But I just I just thought in a simple little tiny way, there was the, the that and then in the bigger picture. And I thought uh, we we're happy to be doing this. We're happy to keep them safe. And, and, you know, we pray for a soon return and the Dan, all the Daniels and the BC hydro crews and the workers, the firemen, I have had friends who've gone up there and they're fire people, you know, putting the town back together, putting the infrastructure back. And then most of them will be able to go home except for the ones who need their homes rebuilt. And I've heard stories of someone who's donating lumber for homes and things like that. So as Daniel was saying, and Elaine was saying, it is so neat to see so many entities working together. So Daniel saw, we're going to close with you. If you have any last thoughts, and then I'm going to ask you to pray. Um, also, there might be people out there who are thinking, how can I help? What can I do? Maybe I can't volunteer. How can I uh, help out with what we're doing here? If you'd like more information, please visit us at our website at adra.ca and you'll see the landing page for volunteers and also to make a donation in cash as well and other in updates, uh, stories that we have there so that will keep you informed and uh, apprised of what's happening there. I'd like to quote in the words of one of the indigenous elders from the Sandy Sue Spiritual Center based in Manitoba, Elder Adrian Jacobs, he says, nothing for us without us. Mm. In other words, 
we are working parallel with them, building trust, working uh, collaboratively with them and for them. And so I really am so grateful that God has called us as a church to serve for such a time as this. Thank you very much, Daniel. Thank you all for your sleepless nights and your hard work that you're putting into this. And so, Daniel, I'm just going to ask you to pray for us uh, as sure. we close. Okay. Let's pray together. Let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for this wonderful time of sharing. We want to thank you for the call to respond to this devastating crisis that has disrupted lives, families, homes, displaced individuals, causing them to be evacuated from their homes and their livelihoods and has caused such upheaval in their lives. We want to thank you that you have saved many lives. We thank you for the ministry of It Is Written as well. And as we, oh Lord, uh, bring this session to a close, we just ask that you would bless Lord, all of our efforts in British Columbia, that you will bring uh, peace, that you will cause the fires to subside, that they will regain some sense of normalcy. But help us, O Lord, to inspire them with hope and to direct them to you, the God who cares and loves them. Thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us and for helping us to put this program together of the aftermath of the Litton Fire. Thank you for listening today. If you would like to watch a video of this podcast, please visit iiw.ca or you can go to our IIW Canada YouTube channel and click on the videos tab. Once again, thank you so much for listening.